Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Football Revisited. It's been a hell of a week and we took a week off because it was just too much to handle. Uh, but we're back after it's all calmed down. With me as usual, Cleve Sims, Nitherberg, Robos. And special guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify, yeah. this is an audio, not a visual. So. Yeah, I know. Um... <laughs> Mr. James Alrazak. How are you? Evening, boys. It's a pleasure. Evening, James. Yes. Good evenings. Good no. to have you. The real question I'm excited is... To, excited to make my day, Bill. Brilliant. Is there any chicken for us? That's the real question. Oh, there's plenty. There's plenty. <laughs> it's been a quiet day today, boys. <laughs> Can we do no context? I will just move on. Yeah. If anyone <laughs> listening, just we'll leave a Singapore that. contingent to, to work that one out. <laughs> um, right. Let's, let's get to it. Obviously, it's been one of the craziest weeks in football. Um, safe to say, I don't think we want to spend too much time on it because obviously it's a bit obsolete now. Um, but I just want to get everyone's thoughts. James, as you are the newcomer, I will let you have first dibs. European Super League, give us your thoughts. Um, as a neutral, I love the drama. I just want to point that out first. <laughs> um, but probably one of the most greedy, um, selfish things I've ever seen come out of football. Um, and from your big traditional English football clubs who sort of hold on to the respect and history of their fans and stuff, I think it's a bit of a disgrace. And I actually have a question like for you guys who support the clubs that were part of it. <clears throat> Like, even though they've kind of backtracked on their decision, how do you still feel about the boards and members of the club that made the decision initially, obviously still at the club? They've overturned it, obviously, because of the backlash. How do you feel about the support you have for your clubs, even though they've kind of overturned it? The, the, the people that made the decision are still there. How do you feel about that? I was gutted. I was really gutted. Um, I... It's hard. It's hard to where do you draw the line? Because obviously it's not the players' fault. It's not Manchester's fault. And they're the ones I love. I don't love John W. Henry. He's never been the guy I, I've got on the back of my shirt. So it's like, where do you draw the line? And um, yeah, I was really gutted. And obviously if it went ahead, I wouldn't have supported Liverpool. But now that it is obsolete, it is that thing of hopefully everyone can draw a line under it and never mention it ever again. So um, you're saying like 100% your loyalty to Liverpool would have stopped if it went ahead? Yeah, right just because, yeah, like I would have gone off football entirely, so there's no point in supporting a football team. So I'd have just, yeah, well, I'd have been absolutely done. Yeah, Snessy Town would be the limit. Like, it would be yeah. local. I'd be, that, that would be, I would not be, yeah, I I can tell you now, it was, it was bordering if it went on for longer. Thankfully, because it was just a few days, then it stopped. It, I'm happy to move on and try and forgive because he made the same mistakes before he made a lot of mistakes john w henry done a lot of good for liverpool as well so yeah i'll leave him off this time but yeah if it happens again like perez wants it i'd be gutted mm. but in terms of what you said james about the super league itself i don't think anyone could have put a bet i think we're, it's going to be a short discussion because you've said everything needs to be said on it yeah yeah i mean i don't think any of us have got a different opinion to be honest with you no 
No, and I, I go, on top of what Burke was saying, I mean, being realistic, the problem is, no, to buy these clubs is going to cost an absolutely astronomical amount of money. And the, the thing is, I look at Liverpool's owners, for example, and like Burke said, it's not the first mistake. And you get into the your initial reaction is, oh, well, you know, they're done, sell up, we don't want them. But then your problem is, in all honesty, they're probably as good as it gets in terms of owners with that much money, simply because the other extreme is that you are basically a bought by a country and then hmm. you're, in, you're into some things then which are, for me, I look at and I think are far worse than John Henry trying to make some money. Do you mean like, you know, you look at the ethical, re- like for example, you look at PSG and Man City's owners, human rights or that, the grass isn't always greener and the problem is in order to buy them, so in order to buy Liverpool now, the only people with that kind of money is probably, it's like this guy with Spotify and they're looking at Arsenal. Yeah. It's that, you know, is he, look at how Spotify treat their artists and treat people in general in terms of the finances. They all get there because they put money yeah, exactly. above everything. That's not exactly above board, is it? So, you know, it's just like anything in any, in any type of business, there are shady people. And unfortunately, the people who have got that much money tend to get there by doing some things that may be questionable, that we see as questionable. One thing I will say, though, like playing devil's advocate. Go on. If you look at the decision to break away as like a purely business-driven decision, it does make sense. But yeah. like to us, to us and every football fan around the world, football has never been or never will be a business. And like it baffles me how... The board members overlooked that and just like just saw the dollar signs. It's so out of touch. So out of touch. Because yeah, I agree. Money wise, there was a lot of money to be made, but there was also always going to be millions and millions of people who were going to fight against it. And it's like they didn't expect that reaction, which I found stupid. Yeah. Do you know the most disappointing thing of all? I think for them is that I I genuinely think I think you'd have come in, you'd have had a lot of you'd have had all this anyway. But let's go. It's like James said, there are parts of this that are bang on. And what the best thing has happened, like for example, when you got UEFA coming out there and acting on the more, um, so taking the high ground, you know, the Champions League reform, are absolutely rubbish. And yet they've just gone the, and then you've got, that'd be funny, you've got Guy and Everville taking the high ground, you've got all these people, Sky. And yeah. let's be honest, there's only a big six because of Sky. There's so all these things come in. And obviously, yeah. the Guy and Everville, you, you know, he's, he was bang on in what he was saying. But he's whipped this frenzy up, and they've you know they keep on going and going and going. You wait for a, I mean, all of a sudden we've got PSG as the uh, PSG's owner as like what, the, one of the main people in UEFA. He's head of the ECA now. Yeah, so it's like, you know, in a way, isn't it? They, they, all they've done is they've shown their hand far too early, and then they haven't communicated why they thought that it was best to do that. Yeah, they, but I think the best. fact, they I might think the fact a lot of clubs, a lot of clubs, a few days after the decision have just turned back on it, I think shows that they were there for the money. I think if they truly believed that this was the best thing for football, they'd have stood by it longer than two days. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is they've shown their hand too early because what they didn't do then, instead of when they showed their hand, they should have come out and said, this is why we're doing it, and, and kind of gone into detail. And then when they eventually did pull out, they should have pulled out en masse because they bargained for, they negotiated for a deal. 
the thing that's you know the thing I don't get is if they were genuinely serious with the Super League to start with, there were so many questions unanswered. I don't see how they could have been serious, like really serious about it. It's like it's either like absolute neglect of the top level, which it genuinely could be judging by what we've seen so far. Yeah. Or they just they honestly didn't think that he was going to go that far. But what I just don't understand is how like they've just given all the power now back to UEFA. And, but the main thing to remember is though, it's like you wait for the good deeds. It's like it's this thing of painting like a good and bad side, they're all bad. Yeah, no, I know. The uh, the oversight was just absolutely amazing. Like these are smart businessmen. Yeah. And the sheer fact that they cannot do simple stakeholder analysis where say you're trying to build on a site and the environmental impact, you go talk to the people it's gonna affect and you know, tell them what you do and discuss. The fact these guys are billionaires and couldn't do that, or couldn't tell us when to do that, just speaks to what Sims is saying. Just, they just thought, we're so rich, we're so powerful, we don't care what the fans say, we're just doing it. But, and like James said, business point of view, you look at it, you go, it makes complete sense, got no issue with that at all, looks fine. But one big fact was the fans. And yeah, then they, yeah that's, that's, that's the really problem. Yeah. The power yeah. of unity. Yeah, and their all clubs. their calculations financially were based on the fan support as well. Exactly. Like no one knows yeah. how much of a drop off actually that would affect the calculations if it went ahead. Um, but the fact they didn't speak to the players, the manager, yeah, and I right. look at Man U for one of them, and they got Alex Ferguson on the board, one of the greatest men in football, like in terms of modern football, to help transform what football is today, and he wasn't even consulted because he came out the day after and was against it. He's on the Man U board. And if he's not getting consulted, then it, it is well, just eight. It's just like, how, how many teams are 12, 13? 12, 12, yeah. 12, 12 owners in the boardroom going, no, look, we can make 200 million. Yeah, should we do it? That's all it was. Yeah. And, it shows the massive yeah. gap between the hierarchs and the people who are doing like the ins and outs of, the, of you know getting 11 players on a field on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what the owners actually think of them. Hmm. Yeah, just just from a Spurs point of view, I, you just asked how many clubs it was. It should have been eleven. I don't know mm. why Spurs should have been. Should have been ten. Arsenal could join. Right, yeah, you could you could chuck Arsenal in that, but you know they are they are much zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, how, how fair play to Daniel Levy. You know, you can see we went for him, but he, he can waggle his way into anything. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 when it came out, it was just it was laughable. But how can Spurs? You know, obviously we're going to talk about Spurs, but. How how they were even in the convo? I d- I don't know. I honestly don't know. But yeah, if, if to the original question, Daniel Levy should go. He's done a lot of good for the club. You know, obviously got a new stadium. He he has dragged us into a top six club from course that. So he has done some good things. But yeah, this crossed the line too much. Too much greed. On your bikes, man. All the best. Get someone else in. But then again, you get someone else in. Are they likely to be similar? Probably. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it would be nice to get someone in who cared about winning, though. That sure. seems to be like yeah, second. That'd be, that'd be a start, oh. That's like Daniel Levy's oh, second objective. Yeah. Spurs, Spurs, if you think about it, were even third. worse. Because they were happy to go into this tournament and they'd be lucky to win one game a season. Two yeah. games a half. <laughs> so, I mean, oh, yeah. Spurs. Oh, I can't talk about it. It's just too much. <laughs> too much. But, uh, Oh, let's uh, let's leave it there because, like I said, it's. I think Sam has pointed out. 
we were going to do the pod and then it was like well all this might be blown over by the time we record so it's uh, pretty pointless the good thing is everything's gone so it's fine we all go <laughs> back to losing the few Spurs fans um, speaking of Spurs we may as well talk about them Burke I know you've got a question so let's get it over with um, well actually it's the on the Sunday I think it was this was the main story until the Super League came out and it was the sack and because we haven't spoken about that either of Sack and Mourinho so let's start with that but <laughs> the fact you have to say let's start with it because it's so <laughs> much oh my days okay. it's only been it's only been a week for Spurs it feels um, like a lifetime it summed up their hundred year history yeah yeah pretty much but uh, no yeah Joe said you know I've said the pod before he just I, th- I think we could all see this coming he gave us it's the hope that kills you. You know, we were top of Christmas. You know, you, as a fan, you, you know, you think, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's our time. And then it all just fell to shit. So, um, so yeah. on that day, but it, like before you were sacked, because I know, I know you were in the Mourinho out yeah. um, position at that time. Like if I told you, right, you can get rid of Mourinho now and get Ryan Mason until the end of the season, <laughs> or you can keep Mourinho until the end of the season and then he's going, yeah. what would you pick? Yeah, I, I probably would have kept Mourinho because one, he got us to the cup final, and as much as you, I don't like him, he deserved to see that through and go to the final. And you know, we've got some nice games to finish, but we're not going to finish top four because there's better teams in front of us, like Liverpool, Chelsea, etc. So, <laughs> sorry, Sims. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with sacking it, but I, I agree. Uh, you know, I disagree with the timing. It, it, it was strange. Something must have happened behind the scenes. Because it's very unusual for that type of thing to happen. I don't think I've ever seen a manager sack a week out from a cup final. Um, so something must have happened. But uh, yeah, the Ryan Mason one is really strange as well. Because he's come out of nowhere. He wasn't part of the backroom staff. I really thought Ledley King would take over. It seemed like It'd a natural make more thing. Sense, you know, Chris Powell, you know, he's not a great manager, obviously, but he's got experience as a manager. That's why Mason was not. As was evident in, in the final. There's a couple of his substitutions. Um, and starting lineup. I'll start the lineup, yeah. So, yeah, you know, we probably weren't going to win anyway. You know, we could have. It was easy to say we could have that. Man City was so good at the weekend, but yeah, Josie had to go at some point. Should have gone at the end of the season, but it is what it is now. So I'm glad we talk, he's about, gone. We talk about cup final for a bit. Um, <laughs> Rob, we'll start with you actually. What do you think yeah, of that one? Please. <laughs> um. Well, I just know it's bad to say, you know, Man City was so good. I think Spurs played, you know, Spurs played perfectly to let Man City have a go. And, like, Spurs were so lucky that it was only 1-0. Um, the, that Jamie Carragher clip, I think Sims put in our group chat. I was, it, it was kind of, like, painful to watch because you're just like, how is this team made it to a cup final? Then when he's bringing out the statistics of um, uh, long balls of passes going forward, that they were, you know, re- they were like relegation type teams. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody had Spurs winning. Our all our predictions were Man City. Um, like if if I'm Spurs at half time though, and I've survived that first half onslaught, I'm just like, do you know what? There's there's a there's a chance here. But there's just no change in them. And I, I agree with Carragher. I don't blame uh, Ryan Mason at all. Uh, there was there were so many so many players that just it just didn't look like they were up for it. And I remember we 
<clears throat> we were chatting when the liners came out, and I, I'm guessing but could do a whole section on Harry Winks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was just a bit of a strange selection, and then you know if it's a different team and you have that the game play out like it did, maybe you've got a chance. But I think it was just destined Man City were going to lift that trophy. It was shocking, but and I, th- I think he was still there at this point. Rob, do you know we had that phone call just before the final? Mm-hmm. The last thing I said was I'd rather lose five. I'd rather Spurs lose five nil, but actually have periods where you think they could score you, than just lose one nil where they don't have a kick. And yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was terrible. Yeah, the uh, yeah, but I've had a bit of time to digest it, and to be honest, I didn't expect anything different. And if Jose Mourinho was still there. Would they have played any different? Maybe a little bit, but the problem you had was I think they would have set up in a similar way, but the players were just so sick and tired of hearing Jose Mourinho's voice and the constant criticism, and they're probably on their knees anyway in terms of fitness. And it just this perfect storm of it just was never going to happen. You could have played that game 10, 15 times, and Man City probably would have scored. <laughs> that game was the only game they would have won 1 0. All the other games mm. would have been. Would have been you know, a heavy scoreline, but uh, yeah, the only one who played decent was Oliver Eld, and that's only because he had to defend for 90 minutes, basically on his own. And to be fair, Luis, you know, he did make some good saves, so I'll give him that. But the rest, Son was terrible. Son, Son's the, been, Son's been off for a while. You know, he's been really emotional as well. He's, you know, he's been, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but he's, he's been crying a lot recently, and you know, that, that just shows how bad it is. I mean, you've got a <laughs> professional player who's crying after games. I mean, you know, that's not any work. You know, Harry Kane again. It's the Carabao Cup as well. Yeah. Fair grip. Uh, feels like the Champions League for us. <laughs> right. But, uh, uh, you know, Ryan Mason, I mean, you're setting up, you're setting up to fail. I mean, yeah. yeah the thing is, I, with me, I can't see how he has any authority in that dressing room because he's played with a handful of them and he, like uh, Toby, Kane, Bale. Yeah. And, like, awesome. yeah. And Mason was always the worst out of the group that's kind of still there. Yeah. Like, how he can come in and now go, oh, this is how you play football. Like, what player, surely players would listen to Mourinho over that. Yeah. I can't. Apparently, I that's, why he was a, that's why he was given into a manager's interim coach, because he had a better relationship than the likes of Ledley King, or, which I find hard to believe. And obviously, Ledley King's club legend, where Mason is not. Yeah. Uh, yeah he might be a homegrown player, but he's, he's not a legend. That's um, not about like we made it as a. The thing that got me is when they asked him about Harry Kane's fitness, and he goes, "Harry Kane said he's fit, so that's all I need to hear." And it's like, well, <laughs> all right, yeah, like, but surely I, I know it's tough to ask because it would have been a massive story to drop Harry Kane. But you know, was it the best decision to start him? Maybe not. But it's there, the thing is, they know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 We, this exact thing happened, and at the, you know, at the time it was. Really, Spurs should never have started him, and then Poch started him. And I mean, didn't they drop Lucas Moura for the final? Yeah. And he scored the he scored after the semi, didn't he? I didn't yeah. know. Exactly. Because, but like, yeah. I will I will say one thing. I didn't watch the game live because I, I had no interest in it, to be honest. Especially after Liverpool's early collapse and the early kickoff on the Saturday. But um, I watched the highlights back, and there's one thing I do disagree with. I, I th- I look good and I think that was a free hit for Ian Mason. It was a free hit. Nobody expected anything. Why 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 not go out and actually have a go? For example, why? But they that, didn't have a go. 
I watched yeah, but I watched yeah. My point, that's my point. I watched Gareth Bale on the, on the week before, and he's there. He got man the match, and he's put him on the bench. And Don Bell is the most creative midfielder, and they put him on the bench. It's a free hit, like you yeah. said. But they lose five nil. They lose five nil. Nobody actually thinks Ray Mason. I'm being funny. He's not the guy, is he? He's not yeah. looking to try and get a job. So my argument is, Ray, this idea like, oh, Ray Mason's blamed us. I'd be thinking, well, mate, just like, don't be funny. Go for it. Yeah, that was actually the one thing I disagreed with Cara about. Like, you know, just saying, oh, it's all about the players. Yes, okay. But also, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be saying the manager, oh, just because he's 29 and it's only a second game. Like, mate, you've got nothing to lose. Like, absolutely nothing. Uh, Not yeah. expect anything. I'll be funny, he won't be the first person to get wiped, the, the floor wiped with him in the final by Guardiola. Nah, I, I, I do disagree. I, I think it's easy to say that, but if you're in that situation as your second game, you know, the club's in bloody turmoil, all this European Super League, you know, you've just come in, you must be going, Oof, Man City, one of the best teams you've ever seen. You know, one of the best, probably the best manager we've ever seen. You know, I, so let's play Harry Winks. And you're saying he's blameless. Well, no, but, no, they did have a plan. They were meant to play from the back, try and play through midfield, get it up to Kane, and then get Lucas and Son running in behind. But ultimately, the players didn't do that because couldn't pass the ball from defence to midfield. Yeah, you know, they've win. never been able to do uh, that. Yeah, I was just yeah, saying, my no. problem with that, but I think I would say, well, OK, but that would, that would mean then that in Ryan Mason's mind and also the Spurs players' mind, that they would feel, do you know what, we're good enough to play football, actually play like head to head against Man, Man City, footballing wise. Well, to be honest, nobody is in the Premier. You know, Liverpool. Even last year, when Liverpool right. cleaned up, they weren't they weren't going head to head to Man City. They were beating them in a different way. Like I, I don't think it's easy to say that though. I, I I don't think you can just turn up with a week's preparation really and a game in between that, for a matter of fact, and just go right, boys, go go out and do what you want, not do what you want, but. No, but surely that's easier than actually yeah, going, this is our specific of, plan, we're going to play through Man City. Yeah, but you know, as soon as you get on the pitch, sometimes things just don't happen and the players have just gone back into their shells like they have for 18 months. you got to remember, for the last 18 months, they've been battered by Jose Mina every single game, saying, basically, you're shit, you're shit, you need to be better, you need to be better. They've had nothing and then we're expecting the men, a week of no Mourinho, to suddenly in a cup final, sw- flick a switch and go, oh yeah, give me the ball, I'm going to I'm going to play. I'm going to ping that pass over there. But that's if why he's picked him. That's why he's picked Harry Winks. That's why he's picked Harry Winks to yeah, do that. Harry job. Winks didn't do that. Because yeah, he exactly. hasn't played for two years, but, basically. He's barely well, been in the team. He's got no so, confidence. So don't pick him in. Exactly. Pick Endombele, who I know actually is better at doing that yeah, full stop anyway. Though, yeah, but I'm talking generally, yeah. He should have started Endombele. I think that's pretty obvious. But and then with Winks, Winks was playing like the deeper role and Hoiberg was pushed up slightly on the left. Makes no sense, like a four-three-three, and Hoiberg was the left-hand side of the three. It's a baffling decision. I look at it, and the best-case scenario for Spurs would have been a smash and grab. Let's, you know, because and to be and again, it's not, it's not a Spurs thing because I think most teams the best way of beating Man City is a smash and grab. At the moment, when they as they are, well, you don't get the ball. So I look and I think, right, who's capable of happy funny out of nowhere to score and a goal from twenty-five yards out? Gareth Bale. If you spend £60 million on a centre midfielder, for me, I'd be thinking, right, well, it's definitely the time to put him in here. And that's where I follow him. Because I think, but, because I, look, I, I listen to what you're saying there, and I think you are explaining, you're, you are basically explaining why I wouldn't start Wings and why I would go with... I don't, like, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree that, that spark, he should have started. That he should have started Wings. No, he should have started in Dembele. I, and I thought he would, to be honest. I, did, I wasn't surprised. 
when Winks played because he likes Winks. Ryan Mason was Winks, <laughs> so I'm not surprised. But I, I'm talking just more generally. I, I, you know, I refuse. You know, Cara was right. I can't really disagree with anything. It was a Spursy performance again. You know, that's four finals now we've lost in the span of whatever it is, 15 years, whatever, and we haven't scored a goal. So the evidence is there. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of other factors got on in scoring into that game where you can't just have a go at the players because it, you know football isn't like a switch. You can't just walk in the pitch and go, there you go, play play a different way or you know have the confidence to pass the ball against one of the best teams in the world. So yeah, they should be blamed. Like Wing should be blamed because he was put in the team to do that, but it didn't work. You know, managers do that all the time. They pick a player thinking they'll do one thing and they don't do it. So yeah, for somebody of the second ever senior game in charge I'm not gonna have a go at him because I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's fair I mean look I, I yeah no I fully agree and I agree with the thing that you can't just expect Spurs to turn up and, and turn it all of a sudden be unbelievable I full, and but I think for me I think that's the exact reason why Ray Mason like go to do him it for me like just go for it what have you got to lose and I think you know and I think if you kind of project that onto the Spurs players because they just look like they weigh down every final like yeah. the whole, whole Spursy thing is on their shoulders. Mm. I mean, it's just like I would just if you went out in and said, you know what, look, we lose, we lose, but we are going to go. I just think that was a chance for Ray Mason, and I just think for him, as he missed a little, as he missed a trick, get off. First way, if he could go back and do it again, would he do it differently? I think he probably would. He probably would, yeah. But yeah, put it this way: if Spurs had won, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. I don't think Harry Kane's going. Oh yeah, I'm gonna stay this summer. You know, if he does, if he doesn't. You know, Son maybe because he hasn't signed a new contract. Other players going in and out. Levy. You know, we need a new manager. There's, there's also, yeah, it would have been nice to win the cup. You know, obviously, but yeah, there's there's deeper problems. I suppose that needs sorting out. It just shows. You know, two years ago we were in Champions League final. You know, it was lucky to get there. It just shows you how quickly it can all bloody fall apart. What so, did you think of the Mason appointment, James? <laughs> um, his Do you name know who he was? Mentioned. Yeah, I did. Right. Like, yeah, he was years. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously surprised because I don't. Well, I don't know about you guys. You're kind of more up to speed with um, day-to-day football than I am, but I didn't hear his name mentioned once. So to see him appointed till the end of the season was a big shock. Um. And I saw I saw a stat the other day like he's the youngest manager to manage in the Premier League or something. Yeah. Like how old is he? 29, 30, 31 maybe. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah, that's crazy. And and just touching on what you said earlier, Burke, like like some of the players in the dressing room. How can you look at a twenty nine year old manager who's got no experience and be like, oh yeah, what you're saying makes sense. And be an yeah. average footballer as well. Like, do you remember um, when Shearer yeah. went to Newcastle? Like, as man, yeah. no experience, mm-hmm. but yeah. you'd understand why he told. Yeah, and if it's like players, like the the one that springs to mind in recent memory is like a like a Frank Lampard appointment at Chelsea. It's like not like you know like a Sir Alex Ferguson where he's got that like wealth of experience, like only recently retired, but it's Frank Lampard. Yeah, you know what I mean, and this is yeah, why you can understand that it. appointment. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Mason, I suppose, um, is Frank Lampard. So yeah, big oh, shock, and uh, as you said, but deep problems the club. And I mean, I've seen some of the names linked with the job, but I, I mean, 
the ones I have seen. I don't I don't see why they'd go, to be honest. Do you see um, an Arsenal fan tweet going, this is the equivalent of us sacking Wenger a week before a cup final and appointing Emmanuel Frimpong? <laughs> Brilliant. You'd have more respect than Ryan Mason, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think so. You'd have sympathy for getting the sub again, sub. Yeah. <laughs> That's as great as Arsenal achievement. But that was a big win. morale, didn't they? Yeah. They were a good laugh. But oh, yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. So <laughs> it's just a mess, an absolute mess. You know what's quite sad? Like you said, though, as if you're, you know, for a Spurs fan, isn't it? It's quite sad how. You know, you see them now. It just looks so joyless, and from t- and and you know, like the idea is, you know, you are oh, you get rid of Mourinho and you can get a good new manager. You say he was a youngster, like, or like a younger manager, and it's full of new ideas and you know, really charismatic. But you can't then say straight away, oh yeah, but and that lift the club because, like you said, you know, you've got Levy and you've got a lot of things going on above the manager's position now. So it's a difficult job now. I think it's a quite difficult job to go into now because, you know, you could, you could like, Jürgen Klopp could walk in in his pump and, yes, he would galvanise the people and, yes, you might get a manager who will galvanise the fan base. But there's always that, like, just that little shadow lurking above in Daniel Levy, isn't it? And it, that's quite, as a, for a football club, that's quite heavy to, to weigh on you. Yeah, they've got, they got new stadium sims. Why wouldn't you want to go manager? <laughs> Well, that's it. I mean, the thing is, genuine, because, you know, it's a, it's a good Some point. Some people will be blown yeah. by that. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. It, like if you're an NFL coach, man, you'd love to go play that. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the stadium is a massive boost for them, but it's, it's just it's just so joyless. Isn't it? And like you say, you know, you walk into it, whoever comes in the summer, the first question you're going to have is about Harry Kane. And then, you know, from there on, then you're just thinking, it just seems like a tough, tough job at the moment. When really it shouldn't be because, like James said, they've got a brand new stadium. You know, they're, they're one of the top six, top eight clubs in England. It shouldn't feel like that. But you just look at Arsenal, though. New stadium, and at the time it was state of the art. And yeah. it's not helped them at all. So I don't yeah. think the stadium alone can actually uh, make sense. It's a long term thing. Any stadium you build is long term. But. Uh... Yeah, it, it shouldn't be this. I think it shouldn't be this bad. Spurs, short term. Spurs, more than like any club I can remember, are using their new stadium as like one of their biggest selling points. When in yeah. reality, it doesn't really make a difference as long as you've got a bit of grass to kick the ball around on. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. But I, I get it. <laughs> no, like, I, I, I agree with James because you no, look I Old do, Trafford. You get old, you get close to Old Trafford. Like everyone, everyone who goes Old Trafford says about the rust and how it's yeah. actually a bit of a shed once you're there. I mean, that's not affecting them at the moment. And, like, I agree with James to the point where, it like, new stadium is fantastic. I'm not taking anything away. But even if it was just good, yeah. it wouldn't have that much of a... Oh, don't, like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure 95% of football fans around the country would love their club to have a new stadium. But, like, I think there's only, there's only so far you can push it in terms of a selling point to attract players and managers and all that. It's like, it's just a stadium, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like Sam said, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you probably wouldn't want to go to Spurs for the stadium. You might look at it and go, oh, you know, big stadium. It's definitely in the plus, but I think if... I know know you say. If you're a good player and Spurs in for you, and chances are there's going to be another five or six... There's another five or six big teams coming in for you. The stadium isn't going to be the decider because they're all going to have big stadiums. They're all going to have a big fan base. Yeah, that's true. No, absolutely not. And I think... 
maybe it's on me this one, but as in my point is this it shouldn't be joyless. Spurs shouldn't no. be joyless winner. They've just had a brand new stadium. They've got some very good players. They have got some very good players, eh? I mean, like, but oh, yeah. the problem you've got, isn't it? Whoever comes in straight away is going to have the massive shadow of Daniel Levy above them and what's going on there. And a the fan base that actually loathe their owner and their, well, I think he was, he's not chief exec. I don't quite know what his job title is, Daniel Levy. What is it, but? It is chief he yeah. is in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So, you know, so you've got that looking over you. And then you've got the Harry Kane question looking over you. And like Butt said, you've got you know, other players, other better players of the better players they've got who may be looking out. So a job that should be quite um, attractive yeah. suddenly becomes, well, you know, it doesn't, it's not very attractive, is it? It's just suddenly, all of a sudden, it's not the job to take. And really, most managers in mainland Europe, should be looking at Spurs job going, yeah, I fancy that. Yeah. Well, it says everything. Brendan Rodgers is one of the you know, big links. If, if you're Brendan Rodgers, why the hell would you go to Spurs? You, you know, you've got a safe job at Leicester. Stadium. Fantastic work there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've all, we've all enjoyed the King Power with those bloody triangles. That <laughs> can't do it anymore. But, you know, what, that just shows that, you know, how Spurs have, uh, how far they've fallen, really. But I think I think it's, said, it's not just the Mourinho aspect, is it? As I meant, I know Breeze Kale Mourinho more than me, and I said, you know, I've I've been on the on the Mourinho thing all the while in terms of why on earth Spurs hiding, but it's it's like you said, but it's deeper than Mourinho. Like this idea that a new manager comes in and everything's all of a sudden is far rosier. It's just not the case with them. Yeah, and that, that's the major worry, isn't it? It's been it's been coming for a while, though, yeah. The Mourinho Saka was probably the final nail in the coffin where she's been building up for five years, I'd say. The yeah, next no step. The yeah. next step is really tough. Do you know, like when Liverpool got rid of Rodgers, it was kind of clear that there's a thing of, oh, if you can get Klopp or even an Ancelotti was linked at the time, it was going to be, like Sim said, it was actually going to bring joy. And everyone was going to be happy, everyone be all in. I can't see where Spurs can go from here that actually fixes a lot of the problems. I think there's so many problems. The manager is just one of them. Like, it yeah. just fixes the manager. It doesn't, like with Klopp, it fixes about three or four different problems in one. I yeah. can't see anything like that with Spurs. And there, there isn't really a pool of managers, really, available. I, I, you know, I, I'm really struggling on top of my head a realistic candidate. I think I saw today the Ajax manager has been linked, you know, He's obviously done all right at Ajax, but yeah, it was not a big name, is he? But Allegri, yeah, uh, so. Okay. Allegri yeah. is the one. Allegri is the one. I. It's tough because I haven't seen him in work for a while now, and you know, obviously, I didn't see him too much at you were only in Champions League. You know, they got to that Champions League final, but someone like him, maybe someone a bit. I don't know, just someone different than Mourinho. He just he has <laughs> just killed the club. Like in eighteen, is in it is incredible what he's done in eighteen months. The take. You know, a team that's done well for five years, just absolutely killed them. Absolutely killed them. Confidence gone. Fans basically walking out. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not a fun time. Not a fun time. It uh, is. You've gone through it. So yeah, we're going through it now. Ish. Ish. We're going well, through that, like a minor version of. That leads me on to it. Do you want to? Because there are parallels. Because Spurs have also drawn a home to Newcastle and can see their 95th minute equaliser. So, does anyone want to talk about it? Or? 
of the two. I think we're all now, on the same if board. If I'm talking about Spurs, you can bloody talk about a 1-1 one, one draw. I think we're all on the same boat in that let's just write this season off, let's get done, out of <laughs> yeah. the way, and we go again next year. Shake it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no, wherever, wherever happens this season, whether we scrape top four, which I don't think we will, or whether we finish sixth or seventh, you've just got to give them the year off, the freak year that is, and just go, let's hope this is just a one-off. Do you remember when uh, they lost to Villa and we won you and we said, let's hope that's a one-off in a one-off game? Yeah. We're at this point now with the season. Let's just hope it's a one-off season. <laughs> that's why I am, anyway. Sam, you got any thoughts? Yeah, I, know, I, know I, like. I, I mean, I think I think what's most most disappointing is the way everything has panned out. Just this week, you know, Liverpool dropped four points in the last. Well, they dropped it was eighty eighth minute away at Leeds and then ninety fifth at home in Newcastle. There's four points they dropped there because they drew both games. And you know, if they had got those four points, I think they'd be like two or three behind Leicester with it. You know, with with nice fixtures compared to Leicester. So that's the most disappointing thing for me is even after all the nonsense they've had, you know, the, I think five points to get out of a possible 27 at home to the bottom six, like bottom eight, which is like unbelievable. After all that, they still, still had a chance. And then yeah. to see the type of performance on Saturday, I think that's what woke me up more was just the lack of intensity, the lack of fight. They just seem, they just seem destined. And then, you know, the, the goal went in, the one that got disallowed, which for me was harsh. I thought it could have been, should have been a goal anyway. And you think, right, well, you know, you've had, you've got away with absolute murder there now. Just just finish it. So then to concede after that again, then, it just summed the season up. And like like Bruce said, I personally know I, I don't think they've barely any chance of going top four. But I think to dare that, they have to win every game and have a bit of help. And I just, I don't see them winning every game to begin with. Um, and I'm at the point now where I, I do. I fully believe that you know, they will have me good enough this year, and 58 games doesn't lie. And you know, unfortunately, you know they they were actually brilliant last year, but this year they're, they're not a Champions League team. And I think that's the sad thing, is that you know they are far, they're clearly clearly good enough. So to have that kind of season, then like I look at Sadio Mane, and I actually love Sadio Mane, but like oh well, that'd be funny like. People on this pod slander could rob with me, no? But Sadio Mane this year has been as bad, if not worse, in the last, well, all season. I, I wouldn't say worse. Well, like, I, I wouldn't say worse than Bobby for me, no. He is a massive, massive issue. And, and the yeah. thing is, I, I, I hope that it's just a one off and you just hope that once they get back, you know, a good pre season, get some players back as well. Because they do look as if they've lost a lot of leadership there, no? Which yeah. is big problem obviously and that's something maybe they don't realise it's missing until it's not there so, so. where are they getting the rest though because for me Liverpool just look like a classic example of they are absolutely absolutely shattered the yeah. squads are the biggest but, but you know they've got Euros now and then they're going straight back you know, how, many, how many weeks are they going to have off remember I said Four. didn't I remember back in like November I was saying that once you get to this point of the season everyone's just going to be and you could see it then because you know yeah. I, I, I remember saying you know, Liverpool top the league at that time and you could see it come in. You could, and it wasn't just Liverpool. It was in general. Like I, I watch football games these days, and it's like walking football. Leeds United was. It? Yeah, it's Shock. it's just it's just a real, it's a it's a drag to watch it, and you do feel for the players because they just even the you know, the Champions League games are pretty good, 
But then I have the old Champions League game where you think, oh, this is, you know, this isn't what it should be. And I think, for example, the Liverpool Newcastle game the weekend was, if you want to like look at what does peak pandemic football look like, where there's no fans, no atmosphere, both sets of players, to be honest, nothing to play for. I mean, you could say Newcastle got something to play for, but by then they were almost safe as well. Yeah. They had a good few games before and then Fulham dropped some points. And it just it was just a slog. Yeah. You know, it's just difficult to watch, you know. It's just yeah, and I know you said about rest, but I don't think it is just tiredness. I think it's a mental thing of that there is no nothing to play for. A mental tiredness. Yeah, but I would say it's no more it's that motivation, the leadership Sims mentioned. So I think they don't need like an extended period. I think just a, a, any break will do at this time. And a few players back, Kendo and Verge being the obvious ones. Yeah. And a uh, couple of signings, hopefully. And yeah, good to go. The one thing I say as a Liverpool fan, I think the disappointing thing is, is you if you rewind back to probably just before pandemic, but, you know, you're going back to the maybe Christmas, what's that, 2019? Yeah. Yeah, Christmas 2019. You look at Liverpool, you think, well, they're going to win the league because they've gone on that unbelievable run. They just won the Champions League. They won every trophy go win, you know, like in that 18-month stretch, 12-month stretch. And you hope, right, can Liverpool now build on this and maybe have three or four years where they actually dominate? So, to then, and you know, that's not their fault, all their fault either, because obviously, where things have happened and everyone lost money and all this, but that's the only the disappointing thing is you, you never felt like you saw the best version in terms of the absolute peak where they could go and they could really try and dominate. But then, what we got to remember as well is I think we are awful for it, and I do hope when fans get back into the stadium that like the players get a reception of some sort because. As, as Liverpool fans, we watched three champ, two Champions League finals in three years. Or was it? Yeah, yeah. Two years. Two, two, and, two and two, was it? Two and three. Yeah. yeah. Um, generally, we won the Premier League. We watched them win the World Cup Championship. We watched them. So you could argue that actually winning the Prem was the end of the mountain, not where I look at it as, right, you now we can build on that. Well, it might just yeah. be that that was the end of the cycle. Yeah. So, you know, either way, those players deserve everything they get in terms of praise and adulation. Just not just know in future, they'll always be Liverpool legends. It's just disappointing at the moment. But I'm sure come summertime, when everyone's back to zero and you get excited, and all of a sudden, you know what I mean, you can really go yeah. there. The players are there. They're good enough. They're more couple of few, uh, A couple of new faces in the ground just can change everything. Look at the excitement just getting Thiago in. I know that hasn't worked out, but the lift to give everyone, and you just need... Couple of faces, which even the returning players can give you that as well. So, yeah, I don't think it's the end of the Liverpool team or the last trophy they'll win under Klopp. I just think it's a right off season and let's get out of the way for more than more reasons than just Liverpool for the fans, COVID, everything. I think the season does need to just go now. Yeah, feels like a very lifetime. Um, right, let's uh, let's go to the draft. Burke, I believe you've got a question, so I have throw it, throw it out. Uh, I'll let um, James go first, being that he's the guest. So, James, uh, yeah. the question is based on uh, one of the first inductees to the Hall of Fame, um, and that is Thierry Henry. So, the question is simply how many career goals has he scored, senior goals in his career for all his clubs combined? 
This is just club goals. Just club goals, yeah. Give you a few moments to think about it. While you think, I'll explain what the draft is. And that will be players that we would induct into the Hall of Fame if we had our way. Is that right, Butts? Yeah. Two players we would induct into the Premier League Hall of Fame if it were our choice. Let me get a notepad up here, James. Can be silly or serious. Yeah, as long as you've got a reason behind it. Can we we, um, choose players that are already nominees? Yeah. Yeah, for the Hall of Fame. As long as it's not Shearer or Henri, because obviously they're already yeah, in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I, I think the Premier League got spot on with their original two. I agree. I um, do agree with that. Yeah. Should have been a goalkeeper in there. Well, Hugo. <laughs> wait. No spoilers. Oh, no. <laughs> James, what's your guess for Thierry Henry career goals? Um, I'm going to go for... Two, four, five. Two, four, five. Uh, we'll go Sims next. Three hundred and thirty-one. Hmm. But um, I go two eighty. And Rob. <clears throat> I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the other clubs. Like, that's was a good it, idea. Was, was he as prolific? Because I know yeah. he scored like a hundred and seventy odd for Arsenal. One seven five in for Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, I've seen that number bundled up. So, I'm gonna go two ninety. Right. So, um, fourth in the draft will be. James, he was furthest away, 45 goals away. Sims, you're next, 41 goals away. But you were 10 goals away. Meaning Rob was spot on with 290 goals. 290! I love it! So Rob first, then Butts, then Sims, then James, then me, and I'll have the back-to-back picks. Let's get this party started! (laughs) Start at the back. (laughs) <laughs> right then what every hall of if, if this was the nfl it'd be like i'm inducting a kicker in okay i love it i don't know right. what that means get him in the canton it doesn't matter it doesn't matter right <laughs> where, where is he or oh, are we on one of this appearances is it? no i'm on the wrong one right then <laughs> with 202 clean sheets in his career arguably the best goalkeeper the premier league has ever seen I bring you checkmate. Pet a check! In at number one. Would that actually be your, like, if you had the choice of anyone, he'd be the first name out of your mouth? I, no, I kind of realise <laughs> everybody else is the players, and Sims needs to be upset. So, uh, can I just point out, I actually have no problem with. Like Petr Cech being in. I got no problem with the goalkeeper being in it because there have been some very good goalkeepers. My issue has always been substandard goalkeepers. Hold on, yeah, no. Hold on. You have said on this podcast, what are the point of goalkeepers? They're all crap. Yeah, they are. But there is. Far Petr Cech. Right, no, they are. They, they are. Oh, right, okay. But, like, how, I'm not going to say Peter Schmeichel was crap, am I? Wow, that sounds crap. 
better check. I've got no issue with it. You can be a politician. No, it doesn't mean that I would, wouldn't get rid of goalkeepers if I could. But look, better check. His record start. What was it? 200 and what? Two, was it? 202 clean sheets. I mean, oh my God, I'll give that. Well done, better check. Welcome to and the counting. And counting. Yeah. Still on the books. Yeah. 202 clean sheets and talking down as a hostage negotiator. Um, lovely right. open uh, and then we move on to butts right I just like to clarify that this guy will get nowhere near the Hall of Fame he won't be third ballot fourth fifth however long it goes you'll never get him but we've hammered Spurs and I'm going to bring some love back and I'm also going to stay along with Rob and I'm going to go centre back so hopefully somebody else goes in another position after that um, I'm going to go Michael Dawson, and go for him. Guy is a legend. <laughs> legend of Spurs. Was Spurs. Put his head in front of anything. <laughs> Michael Dawson going in the Hall of Fame. Along is with the that he had with Gavin and Stacey. Is there a reason why you're picking that like over like Ledley King, for example? Like if you go and Spurs centre-back. Didn't play enough. Y- Eunice Kabul is a better pick than Michael Dawson. In my opinion. <laughs> Hey, we say it could be anyone. I said, reaction, please. I said it can be anyone. Honestly, I thought I was, I was like, Berg, I fully expected Lenny King. And I would be like, hmm. I mean, I'm a Spurs fan. I but, get it. Yeah, I, but I was like, yeah, I could see that. I did not have Michael Dawson down on my. Nobody <laughs> oh, said that any of these picks are going in. So it's fine. <laughs> I don't think I could out of committee. I could have picked Pascal Chimbonda. <laughs> Better pick, better pick, better pick. Yeah, at least he's done it consistently for two clubs in Wigan. Yeah, and at least you've got like the Wigan story there where he's come up, they've come up, and then he's gone there, made a career for himself. And Pascal Gibbonda, when he went to Sunderland, went to Sunderland, first game of the season, they were playing Arsenal or something. Roy Keane in charge, Pascal Gibbonda late for the bus, so drops Gibbonda from standing lineup in his first game in the Premier League. Sunderland go and beat Arsenal. Massive celebration in change room. Chimbonda's going mental in change room, celebrating as well. Roy Keane won the game against Arsenal's chuff, going in dressing room, see Chimbonda celebrate, then walks out fuming because he's like, no, he spoiled it for me. He should be fuming that I dropped him. So Chimbonda, bet pick of Michael Dawson. Game's <laughs> gone. Um, Sims, you were next. Um... I am going to go with, it's not as controversial as Michael Dawson. Um, I look at this player as a silky smooth creator of goals. Maybe his goal record isn't as good as it should have been, but um, I thought he was part of the Invincibles. He was a key member of most of the Arsenal teams that are pretty decent. Um, he brought the best out of Thierry Henry. Which is another thing. He's going with Jeremy Alliadier. Yeah. <laughs> so Francis Jeffers, no. Um, I am going to go with Dennis Wilson because he was he was a lovely player to watch. I also looked at him as one of the first foreigners to really like excel. So I know he's around the same time as like Eric Cantona and them, but like before that, you know, it wasn't really a done thing, was it, to go and buy a, like a big name from abroad? And I think he came from Inter Milan. Yeah. Just going out, and again, it's, it's testament to Arsene Wenger really as well, because he was ahead of his, ahead of his day when he had his time, like, and so I think, yeah, Dennis Pukkamp, I think you can go wrong with picking him. 
Also, isn't he that? Didn't he like have a fear, fear of flying? He yeah, never play away Champions League games. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. That'd be like a good little opening line when he gets into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> then it's through camp. Nice, uh, James. Um, yeah, so mine is already a nominee, um, but for me, growing up playing centre half for Darwin, he was the person I looked up to. He's got the biggest nose I've ever seen. Six foot three, towering Serbian, Nemanja Vidic. I do has to be in there. Uh, yeah, when I, you look, I knew you. When you when you think of that, when you think of that late noughties, uh United centre back partnership, you always talk about like Rio Ferdinand because he's the bigger name, blah blah blah. But under the radar and extra, Nemanja Vidic was incredible, an absolute rock in defence. <clears throat> you talk about your like, um, you know, best. Premier League centre halves, you talk with your Vincent Companies, your John Terry's, your Rio Ferdinand's. Vidic kind of rarely comes up, but to me, he has to be in the same conversation. So, yeah, he's mine. Got to be there. Do you know, Lovely, right, yeah, do you know what? It's, it's kind of, it sums up like more than football fans, and I do myself in it, because so all the great things Nemanja Vidic has done, and he, like, he's an unbelievable player. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. The first thing I think of is just Torres every time. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's the kind of, that's the problem, isn't it? It's like he's so good, but yet the first thing I can think of every time is oh, I remember when Torres was actually ruining him. Yeah, but yeah. that's that's in my opinion, that's why you see like when you talk of the greatest Premier League players, you normally think of like forwards. Because yeah. if a defender makes an, an error, it usually results in a goal for the other team. Yeah, Whereas, and I feel for Vidic because his last season was the Moy season and he had lost yeah. his legs. So that, yeah, that's maybe yeah. him actually sitting on the bench and yeah. a, a struggling David Moyes team. It's not a good yeah. sign. Yeah. But, like, you know, it's, I think defenders and goalkeepers, they go under the radar lock when you talk about, you know, the Hall of Famers. Agreed. They're not under my radar, friend. I tell you, I know. They are firmly square on my radar. Frauds. A lot of them. <laughs> no, it's true. On, uh, like, when you talk about the greatest... Defenders, not just defenders, but centre half in the Premier League. Nemanja Vidic has got to be up there in the same discussion as your companies and Ferdinand and Terry. He's, he's there. Nice. You do with a few and uh, Michael Dawson. Don't forget that. And Michael Dawson. Hey. Bit of a journeyman, but a lovely player in his day. Right. Yeah. Lovely pick. Yeah, it's on me. Let me get my notes up. Um, so I'm going to go for the obvious one for me. Um, I'm so, yeah, so the best midfielder, in my opinion, in the history of Premier League, most influential player, without a doubt, that I've actually seen, and the best player to have not won a Premier League title. I'm going to start off with Stevie G as my oh, first pick. I thought you were going to I know he's one of the uh, nominees as well, James. Um, yeah. In, I think there's a list of 25 in their nominees. Um, have, yeah. you, have any of you voted? No. I haven't, no. Oh, yeah, no. You can have six. You've got to make six votes for people, which I was a bit gutted about because there's only three Liverpool players. So. <laughs> and that's I why have... fans should be able to vote. In my yeah. No, exactly. When I was doing I was thinking, right, who... <laughs> it's yeah. going to end up with someone like Ian Wright making the list just because people are giving him votes, not thinking he's going to make it. Yeah. And then yeah. he's going to be the next inductee. Um, but no, uh Steve G was my first pick, followed by Fowler and Owen, and I can't remember who the others were. Mm. Um, but yeah, for my my first pick for this draft, I'm going to go with Steven Gerrard. 
Um, for my second pick, I've actually taken some inspiration from WWE. I love I've had, a, I've had a look at the uh, Hall of Fame, and it's an absolute fucking joke. Like, I'll name a few who <laughs> are on the w, WWE Hall of Fame, okay? So you've got Donald Trump, Mike Tyson, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. T, Snoop Dogg, William Shatner, Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> and for this, this is like the wildest one. What's wild about this is this guy it actually was a professional wrestler. The Great Kali, who, for those of you who don't know WWE, he was basically the wrestling equivalent of Kenwin Jones. <laughs> <laughs> he's, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So if he can get in the WWE one, I thought... I can be a bit loose with my second pick for the Premier League Hall of Fame. Yeah. So I want to take you back a few months ago. We were talking about the Premier League in general, and I said the Premier League is all about moments, the moments that stick with you. When I say Premier League, there's a few huge moments that come to your mind. I won't get into detail because obviously your picks may be based on these moments as well. But one moment for me plays over and over again in my head, on repeat, non-stop. I've discussed it on the pod before, so I won't go into too much detail on it. October 2008, Newcastle have rolled back the years and appointed a new manager, Joe <laughs> Kinnear. He sits down for his first press conference, turns to the press, the massive crowd that have a mass in front of him, and goes, which one of you is Simon Bird? Simon Bird goes, <laughs> me. Joe Kinnear turns to Simon Bird and goes, you're a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bird says thank you, and that press conference, that's how it starts, but it just goes on from there in the same fashion for a half hour. I think the number was 74 times he swore during his first press conference. Um, so, yeah, my second inductee into the Hall of Fame is Joe Kinnear. What moment, what man. <laughs> I understand it, I love that. <laughs> uh, well played. Fans of the pod, we've heard that before. We love it every time. I'll, I'll say it every week if you want. I'll say it every week. Yeah. Um, so now it goes. Yeah, it goes backwards, James. So your second pick. Okay, my set. So my second pick. Um, again, similar to the first in terms of position, um, under the radar kind of style and presence. Um, but he had a fairy tale season with his club. Played every single minute of their title-winning campaign. Um, again, as I mentioned, people talk about the partnership further up the pitch, but without this rock at the back, I don't think they'd have won the Premier League. Um, my second choice is Wesley Morgan. I thought he was going there, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's better than Michael Dawson, so that's fine. <laughs> Wes Morgan. There nice, is no good or bad. It's preference. I've got a nice anecdote for you, boys. I know you're going to love it. Right, Wes Morgan was only the third outfield player to play every single minute in a title-winning campaign. Who were the first two? Asby? Oh, no. John Terry. I think he must have done it afterwards. Did I just hear John Terry? Yeah. Yeah, John Terry's one of them. Ryan Mason. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Dawson. I wish. That's actually the reason uh, John Terry hates Rafa because it was the season before Rafa came in, and like John Terry had played every minute of the season before won the league. Rafa comes in and starts rotating. John Terry's on the bench every second game, and he just couldn't stand it because obviously that fact the season before. Yeah. Um, so 
we're going back a bit to the other one. So John Terry was the 14-15 campaign, obviously with Chelsea. Um, and the first player to ever do it was United, I think, maybe in the first couple of seasons of the Prem. Uh, Steve Bruce. Correct. Yeah, it's Gary Pastor. Yeah. So Wes Morgan is in that on that illustrious list. <laughs> um, but you know, you, I, in that less in that Leicester title winning campaign, it's obviously like your Cantes and your Mares and your Vardis everyone talks about as you know, lifting the trophy for them. But it was like Wes Morgan at the back again, absolute rock. Yeah. I did think because obviously it's the biggest like actual like fairy tale story of the Premier League. Yeah, so if you go back to what I said about moments, it makes sense why he. Yeah, should. and like as yeah. you, as you say, it's like an absolute fairy tale, and I like I think we all love the Leicester story. It doesn't matter who we support. Like it's it was it was brilliant football. It was great for the Premier League. Maybe if you support Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. No, but like, fans are more right if you, like I know you're in title race and you still finished third. Like so, but. <laughs> Like you, you got to look back at it now and think like it was such a fairy tale, and I think everyone loves that Leicester story. It was good for and, me. And like, Morgan, right at the heart of that defence, just playing like a pivotal partner. Yeah. For me, he's maybe like obviously like a wild shot. He's not up there with the all-time Premier League greats, but like just for those those fairy tale moments in that season, and he's he's there for me. And I love my yeah. centre half. So. Is uh, James? Yeah. So I think that's a good pick. So what makes me laugh is just thinking about it, you know like. If this actually happened, they have to go up for Trek the award, isn't it? So it'd be a massive TV screen behind. And obviously, they would pick like iconic images of the player <laughs> have in the background. So, like, you'd have Wes Morgan going up, and it'd be him lifting the Prem. You'd have like Gerard, maybe you'd have like the whole like Anfield stand all covered with his like umbrella. Gerard, like, on his last day. And then, like, was Rob, yours a pedal check? I mean, he could have all the trophies in the world. <laughs> like the Dawson with like that Gavin Assay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, like, iconic. <laughs> it is iconic. Oh. oh. Uh, that's iconic. Is it mine though, yeah? Um yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, for me, I I I'm going I've gone down the uh work route in terms of I think you've got to think of more months in the Premier League. I think you've got to think of those little little carrots of all these little things where you think that was a great moment, that was a great thing to happen to the Premier League. And for me, this is one of the best stories to come out in Premier League history. And I look at it and I think this guy, for just sheer balls and sheer ingenuity, deserves a place alongside all those club legends. He never even played a Premier League game, so this is why he's <laughs> in left field, this is why he's out there. The reason I've selected this person is I think I think <laughs> still a better pick than Michael Dawson. Yeah, I haven't even heard it. I still think this will get more votes than Michael Dawson. Because <laughs> I, I think in the criteria, if it says you have to play a Premier League game, well, obviously you can't be. But just in terms of Premier League history, okay, if you can lie about who your cousin is, get <laughs> to a Premier League club. Get him in. Train for two weeks. And then they realise, actually, this is just some random old lied. <laughs> and I reckon you reserve a spot just for ingenuity and just for having the balls to do it. So Ali Dia, who many of you will only know as George Weir's cousin, who signed for Slampton, <laughs> should go in, I reckon, ahead of Michael Dawson. I'd agree with that. And he did play a Premier League game. He'd actually get on, yeah. Yeah, he got on. on. He got yeah. subbed, didn't he? Oh, he- um, Matt, Letizia, Matt Letizia got pulled off for him. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Irish fellow normally. Graves two nets. Actually walks in then. Unbelievable. Are, that was my only worry. My only worry was. <laughs> <laughs> We're fine. Yeah. We're fine. I got no. Man. I got no worries about it now. <laughs> Ali Dia. Good. Um, but yeah, got a few. Got a few spare spares, yeah. Um, no, I'm joking. I gotta go up. Standards. I mean, this guy is stats speak for himself. 609 Premier League appearances, 177 goals from midfield. Title winner, won everything. Not a very good manager, but he had a great career as a player. And as Frank Lampard, guy worked hard, wasn't talented really. Oh, well, obviously was, but not. <laughs> When he was young. <laughs> not talent. I said he worked hard, even though he didn't have much talent, but he was growing up. There was better players than him, but worked his way up to the top and came one of the best friendly players of all time. Made so, absolutely everything of the talent he did, though, didn't he? He did not leave anything. So, yeah, 20 goals midfield, season in, season out. Unbelievable. Should be walking in to the whole thing. I agree with that. Outstanding. Go on, Rob, finish it off. Right then. With 169 clean sheets. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to go for this player who has the most appearances at 653. The most fouls. Uh, oh, wait. I'm going to get that stat back up. The most fouls with 633. The most tackles with 1,028. And the, and the second most minutes played... Only to Petr Cech with 33,211. He has played his absolute ass off through the years, and uh, he's always been <clears throat> he's always been an absolute warrior. Plenty of yellow cards, plenty of red cards in there as well. But Gareth Barry, I am chucking him in the mix. Record galore. Yeah, all time. I mean, if obviously she is top scorer, all time Queen's maker deserves so, Not a first ballot Hall of Famer. But no. you know, if no. if this is his first year of eligibility, he only get he gets it in five years' time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask a question? Um, out of interest, so I think of like Ryan Giggs now. Obviously, he would have walked in normally. But do you think? Will do you think they look at maybe indiscretions off the pitch? I mean, will I hold them back, or do you think they'll just say no? It's all on football. I think right they, now. I think like, right it, now, yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard yeah, to put definitely. Ryan Giggs in. But say, you know, he's found guilty. Um, or like, say he's found guilty, but he obviously doesn't go to jail. He does like, I don't know, food service or whatever. Do you think indiscretion is off the field? So it's the same for like Cantona. But obviously with the, with the kick and everything else. Do you think that would hold people back? Or do you think they'll just go on ability and... It should. I, th- it should. I think Cantona would be fine. Like, yeah, like, be fine. But I think gigs, it might hold him back a couple of years. But as soon as maybe, yeah. wrong to say, but as soon as the dust does settle... I think he'll be the first yeah. name. As soon as the Premier League think they can get him in without backlash, he'll get him in. But uh, funny enough, because there is a mystery uh, question, but I was just going to say, what what gets people in to the Hall of Fame? Is there a criteria or is it just... Because obviously we've picked players, rightly so, who haven't won the Premier League, who should go in. Is there any anything like Alex Sims just brought up in terms of anything off the field? I I'd I'd love for like a for like a weird like a there's there'd be a structure to it. So obviously like you'd have your like icons, but I want to see like cult Hall of Fame. You know, <laughs> more Titus Bramble, and Alberto yeah. Salano. Exactly. That's 
that's what I'd like to see. But also like uh, like maybe like a modern wing. So like you know players like David Silva right now. I think he would get in if like and does it do these do these players need to be retired to be eligible? Does it, like does it work like the NFL works where it's three or four years after they've retired or not five years after they they've retired they're eligible? Yeah, I am worried that they're just going to chuck any old person in. Like Nathan mm-hmm. Dyer might get in because he's got a Premier League medal. <laughs> I don't want that. It should no. be a, an exclusive list. And you're so, trying to put in Michael Dawson. <laughs> judging so by the nominees. <laughs> judging <laughs> by their nominees, <laughs> I think it is like the best of the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, out of the picks we did have, I've made a little lineup out of them to see oh, how, how it'd look on paper. Um, oh. Obviously... Out of the ten we picked, only nine of them are players. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and one of them played in Premier League for 20 minutes. So, but play anyway. this is what we got. Top. So we're playing a 3-3-1-1. So we got Petr Cech in goal. And in the back three, we have Michael Dawson, Amandi Vidic, and Wes Morgan. Unbelievable. <laughs> the pace is a question, but play a <laughs> deep line, I think, and we're fine. Um, three-man midfield, which caused England so many problems, is Garth Barry, Stevie G, and Frank Lampard. And then Burkamp just behind Ali Dia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then on the sideline, given the instructions, Joe Kinnear. <laughs> do, um, do you mind saying t- the name of that back three again for me? Yeah, so I, I've i put there's Nemanja Vidic in the middle. Feel free to shape this boat. And then Michael Dawson on the right, Wes Morgan on the left. <laughs> just I think Wes Morgan had a bit of legs when in in his peak. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm disappointed that there isn't another um, forward, well, not, uh, someone who's not English, because then it could be like the rest of the world soccer aid in like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, was there any other honourable mentions? For me, um, Giggs was one. Jamie Vardy uh, down. Yeah, Jamie and, Vardy with me and Tom Huddleston. Score us some lovely goals. Provided some great moments. <laughs> and a great story when he cut his hair. I'm all for it. Roy Keane, yeah. I also had Roy Keane. I think I put Cesc Fabregas. Yeah, he was on my mm. list. Yeah. I, I, I would Cesc Fabregas. Second all-time assist. Rooney, obviously. Only now I thought of him. I feel bad. Tell you why I was surprised I didn't see. Was the guy never? He wasn't on the list, was he? Don't think so. No. Well, like sure. like Jamie Carragher said, who grows up and wants to be Guy Neville? So <laughs> he is. He is regarded as. You know, I weren't many. I think Ashley Cole might be the only fullback. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, well, he, he just got my vote. Because it was more of like I don't want to vote for these other players. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah, Cashley get the vote. I'm surprised Drogba was on there, considering like obviously he was very good. But like Suarez was as good, yeah. And yeah, cool. Torres was as good. There's, There's a, a lot, lot of players of... I would have put above Drogba. Yeah, yeah. That, that one was great. See the criteria. It would be interesting to see. And like Rob said, it'd be nice if they like cut them maybe. Like every year, there's only yeah, like eight people can be inducted every year. So then, because like we were saying, it, it needs to be something prestigious. If you want it to really mean something, yeah. Because you want players basically. Who like in their careers will talk about like oh I'd love to be in that group of select group of players at the end of my career, yeah. Um, and then obviously if you start letting anybody and then, you know what I mean like yeah. I thought Valley but it will make it like but, but you can't you just you've got to make it something you need to be is mean something. Yeah exactly. Yeah. 
whether you have like the initial group where you get the big legends in where you go like a big group of i don't know over the first two years you get 15 16 like the biggest names like the ones not i was gonna say the ones you mentioned maybe a couple of the ones we mentioned <laughs> but then yeah then it gets opened up because then if it's only like cap every year of like five then you are having top class players missing out just because numbers but yeah. it would well, it it should stay prestigious i agree to be honest out of out of interest now how many of those players do you because i look at it and i think out of the the players we named i think only lampard and was it lamp was lampard and gerard they were two lampard Gerard Burkham. I, I think oh, no, I would schools. probably say only three of them. I would say Czech, Lampard, Gerard. I would say would just like walk in as the top level. Yeah. I, like the rest, like Burkham, Vidic. I think you could, if you were going to say like only the top fifteen or sixteen win, yeah, I think they, it would probably be the one underneath. Like. Yeah. Second bothered, yeah. Yeah. There are yeah. some questionable uh, selections. In the uh, shortlist, yeah. Yeah, like Shemite goes one of the big big ones for me. I get it, but... How can I, you have him and not to check? Because I don't yeah. think checks on, is he? No, he's not. Van der Sar thing's unlucky not to be on there. Yeah. Yeah. So doing, yeah, the Ian Wright was a bit... Maybe we're a bit... I don't know, maybe we're a bit young, I don't know. But him, I, Ian Wright... I, I, I can Matt see Leticier, Ian Wright. He scored yeah. some great goals, but... Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's my thing with... Letiz. Letiz. I'm thinking really. Yeah. That's a dick. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Letiz would d- deserves it. Because yeah. go back to what we said about moments, he he holds mm. about 10 yeah. top Premier League moments himself, so... And just because he turned down Man U a couple of occasions, he shouldn't be punished for that. Yeah. You don't have to win it. Yeah, because otherwise... Really, no, the, then you've got the argument about Gerard. You got the argument if Latis doesn't because he hasn't won anything, then should Jarrett he has never won the Prem? No, I yeah, I and then you look at players who have won the Prem. I mean, Danny Drinkwater is suddenly above Jarrett and this. Yeah, that's my point. Though, Andy yeah. King, classic. Yeah, the first rule should be you know have they won the league title, yes or no, and then you go the exceptions and like a Jarrett who hasn't won it but was clearly yeah. one of the best players ever. The, the impact. Prem. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, should, I don't think he should come like, into it. Yeah. It's got to be no. something. You've got to have some metrics to try and narrow it down because you could just be ever ever going. No, like, like yeah, you start, you start going down that route, and, you, and it's you know you're gonna have some like Wes Brown with all his blinking trophies should be in, and it's yeah. like Wes Brown is not no, no in here. Not. Well, no, what I'm saying is you can just go straight away and get this right. Everyone who's won the league, and then you can chop people out, chop people out. Obviously, Wes Brown's gonna be filtered out. And then you left that with you have nominees for player of the year every year to get a list of the nominees every year because obviously they've had good seasons. Yeah, I I'd say I not I think you know there's a definite flaw to that plan, and but I think I would rather go on that route than say right let's have a look at the champions every year. Yeah, and we and then from there like and then you go in because I think already you're is like you're already bite like a bias towards because for example like Kev, uh, Peter Crouch. For example, or Ke- like Kevin Phillips when he had that like unbelievable year. So like you look at that and you go, well, did he do enough after that? Probably not. So he's not mm. going to be. Oh, I don't. I don't mean looking at the champion every year, because obviously you can have the same team winning it one year, mm. you know, two years out of three. I don't mean it like that. I mean for now this big batch, you look at all them, and then yeah. as it goes on, then you know, whatever they decide to do. So you look at like with the with the NFL more often than not, if a player has won an MVP. And you know, so that's player of the season equivalent. 
you you can end up seeing them in uh, in the the Hall of Fame. Team but, of the Year's probably way to go. Jared, I think most Team of the Year nominations. Yeah. Lampard's got a as well. Yeah, the individual, the individual awards. I'd agree with that. See, because obviously they must have had decent people. But now, be interesting. I wonder if they'll uh, release the criteria we get in. Be interesting. Um, right, let's leave it there because uh, it's coming up to nine o'clock. Any update on the scoreboard? I know you would be watching. Have you been watching Champions League in the background? I haven't. No. You haven't. Sorry. I forgot about that. Anyone know the score? It's half time. It's one all. Uh, Pulisic and then Benzema scored. Benzema, what a terror he's been this season. He could be in the Hall of Fame. Defenders for <laughs> assists, right? That's what you love to see. That's what you love to see. That's what I love to see. Lovely finish, Benzema. Imagine if it did, we'd be all over this. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's leave it there. Cheers, guys. Thanks, James, Absolute for joining. Pleasure. We'll get you on again soon. Adios. Bye, boys. Bye, boys. Yeah.